Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Inner Call podcast. And it is, in fact, a welcome back. Also, for me, I want to start off by saying we've not had an episode in a few weeks. And the reason is because sometimes life is too chaotic to get into the recording studio, which was the case for my life last couple of weeks. I moved apartments. I'm still in Lisbon, but I did move apartments and it was a pretty big move. I was in the last one for three years. So you can imagine that one amasses some stuff after three years time. And then I immediately after moving flew for a delightful, incredible week celebrating my younger sister's marriage which was incredible. And then I came back and got COVID. So it has been chaotic to say the least, but I'm back and I cannot wait for you to listen in on this particular episode. I have been talking about it since the moment that I recorded it. And I'm, I'm not kidding. That almost doesn't ever happen. I don't think it's ever happened where I have brought this particular guest up, Courtney Smith in I want to say maybe 20 conversations at this point. I spent two hours speaking to Courtney. I couldn't get enough of her. She's infectious. You're going to hear that this is part therapy session, part discussion about the Enneagram. And I say that jokingly, but also not. She really helped me understand what my Enneagram number is. And if you have not heard of the Enneagram. Spoiler alert, it's a personality test. Who doesn't like a personality test? I really love that practice of self-awareness and the Enneagram is one that I've heard about for many years, but never fully identified with until this very moment. In the Enneagram, as you're going to hear, there are nine different personality types and Courtney Smith helps to guide us through each one and what they mean and how we can identify ourselves But the best part has been that after this conversation, I have such an understanding of the types that I have, to the great annoyance, I think, of everyone, gone around and typed people. (laughs) So I have told my nearest and dearest what I think their types are, and so far have not been wrong. Now, the funny thing about this is that I was in deep confusion about what my Enneagram was, and you're going to hear about that in the podcast. That's the therapy part. And yet, upon asking my nearest and dearest, they have very accurately pointed out what they think my number is and have been correct. So it's an interesting thing, right, that other people see you sometimes more clearly than you see yourself. All the same, I definitely found my number through this conversation with Courtney and also how I can use that knowledge of that number, not just for an expanding self-awareness of who I am and what I want to accomplish and how I want to expand my energy to be of greatest service to me and others, but also the Enneagram and the numbers are very strongly correlated with types of intuition or how our intuition best speaks to us, um, our baseline, if you will, the way that we absorb, interpret energetic information from our environment based off our enneagram, I think is a really solid starting point for anyone who says, I don't really know how I intuit. This conversation is going to be a game changer for you. 
Now, I want to say before you jump into this super exciting conversation, it is a two-parter because it was a two-hour conversation that I loved and it seemed to me to go by in 30 seconds. The first part of today's episode is all about what the Enneagram is, our understanding of what it does, how we apply it in our own lives, and a discussion around the intuition and how the Enneagram speaks to our intuition. Next week, part two is the conversation that's going to help you identify which one you are. That for me was a game-changing 45-minute conversation. But this first week is all about what it is, what it does. So if you want to go take an Enneagram quiz, I would say go for it. You definitely don't need to to get something out of this conversation. And I do feel like this conversation is actually going to be more helpful than any online quiz could be. So without any further ado, joining us today is the extraordinary Courtney Smith. She is an executive coach, but she's really dedicated to helping others see themselves clearly. And she has such a way with making these complex topics super simple. She spent 20 years as a management consultant in New York City, specializing in public health. And now she works with companies, individuals, all talking about this Enneagram and how we can use it to see our lives more clearly. She is tuning in from Santa Barbara and she's delightful. I hope you get as much out of this episode as I did. I will say this is one of the most, I guess, paradigm shifting, really, conversations that I've had in a very long time. Enjoy. It's so nice to meet you. Thanks for being here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here too. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. So this podcast, The Inner Call, is all about the intuition, how we can best attain that part of ourselves that's really like the internal feedback, I would say, over the external feedback. So like how do we pay attention to our own desires, that internal voice, the way forward that I think is such an interesting conversation these days because there's so much external feedback. And then seeing it from the lens of all the tools that we use, and and in your case, the Enneagram. I was profoundly confused because I was told your Enneagram can't change. And I did the Enneagram at 18 when I took one of my first jobs, which is very interesting. My boss had me take the Enneagram. And I remember very vividly that I was a type three. And from what I understand, that's like the achiever, right? The go, 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 like do all the things. So Fast forward, I'm talking to a woman on this podcast who I think maybe you know, actually, Elise Lunin. Yeah, she's a good friend of mine. Yes, yes, yes. And she's talking about the Enneagram, and that was a fascinating conversation. Then afterwards, I was like, you know what? I'm 33. I have not done this Enneagram since I was 18. Let me do it again. Type three was my second to lowest score. So I was like, wait a second. Um, that doesn't make any sense, but I've also changed dramatically as a person, which was kind of nice to see in and of itself. So anyways, it, can it change and how often does it change? <laughs> well, so, so there are lots of different levels and layers to answer that question. If I were to only say one word, I would say, no, it can't change. But what's happening there is the tests, the online tests are not always necessarily accurate. And so just because you're typing one way on a certain test doesn't actually mean that's what your type is. So there's a lot of sort of 
because those tight those tests are asking questions about how you see yourself and part of the Enneagram, one of the reasons it's so fascinating is it really provides us a window into who we are. Mm. And so to take the test and enter a system that's designed to actually build self-awareness, it's kind of a catch-22 with those tests, right? That it's, it's kind of predicated on you already being self-aware, but by definition, the Enneagram is there to teach you things you can't see about yourself. Mm. So the tests themselves kind of have to be taken with a grain of salt. Okay. Okay. And I, and I will say both times I took it, I took like the official paid for test. So that wasn't just like a yeah. cheap one. Yeah. 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 But still. Yeah. yeah. Even those Even tests still. are okay. still, yeah. Like I would always say, I mean, I think they're helpful to, to do and point you in the right direction potentially, but talking with someone who has been studying and working with the system for a long time, I think is usually very helpful and really exploring the results. Got it. Okay. So that's interesting then as like a beginning part, if somebody is wondering like, okay, so Courtney, you're telling me online tests, not the way to go. Where do you go then? Like how would, what, how do I know what I am? I was a type three. I don't, now I don't know anymore. Yeah. 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 Well, so Another thing that I would sort of say is, you know, reading the books and or listening to podcasts and kind of getting a as hint of what the nine types are and getting a sense of like what resonates with you, I think is that's also a really interesting way to kind of triangulate on on what your type might be. And then at least in my case, like my husband knew what type I was way before I knew what type I was. So having other people who know you well give you feedback, I think is really important. And I think the other thing is to just sort of loosely hold, like this is an inquiry process and I'm starting down the journey and I take the online test and that points me in one direction. And so I, I for now I take myself to be a type three and I do that work and I try that on. And even if I get at the a year later, realize that's actually not my jam. That's not my, those are not my core issues. That exploration alone has been helpful and useful. And so the point is not really to land in a type, although ultimately that is something we want to do because it helps turbocharge your growth. The point is to grow. And so Mm. even going through a process of eliminating types is useful to that end. So the idea is to maybe take the test or talk to a professional or have people close around you give you feedback and then hold it loosely, especially in the beginning. And don't don't be choked so quick to narrow in and kind of condense around, well, this is who I am. Got it. The way that I was introduced to the Enneagram is from this idea of like it's a personality test, right? But you're saying it's more of a self-awareness path. Is that correct? Am I hearing you right? Yeah. So I think this is one of the main, why I love the tool is the idea is that personality is the adaptive strategy for human beings. It's the set of patterns of thinking, feeling, and acting that we've accumulated over time because we found that they worked for us to get our needs met in this world. And one of the really interesting parts of the Enneagram is to 
come to awareness about what those strategies are and at the same time realize that they are no different than the fact that both you and I have blue eyes. They are something we do, they are something about us, but they are not who we are. And the Enneagram becomes an entry to that exploration of what layers have I accumulated in order to make it through this world? And can I peel them back to sort of see what's underneath them? If I no longer confine myself to being a nice person, what's underneath? If I no longer confine myself to being assertive, Mm. how do I act? What shows up? And so that's the process that the Enneagram is really allowing us to do in a way that I think, even as it's sort of grown in popularity, which I'm super happy about because I think it's very powerful, it's very easy to use it as a way to type people and put people in boxes. And the whole point of the system is to see the box that you don't realize that you're in so that you can begin to move outside of it. Mm. It should feel expansive. It should feel like it's an opening to more ways of seeing the world, ways of being in the world, rather than narrowing you to a set of choices. That's a really nice way because also just from a spiritual vantage point, like we know we're not our personality and well, we don't know perhaps, but that is the teaching is that you are not the personality that's been socially shaped, that's been created, you've probably attached to it. So I like that exploration because even thinking from that perspective, then I I do think that there is probably still a part of me that is that type three, but even in conversations that I've had with my younger sibling, I went through a really intense period of time in my, in my early twenties. And I remember having a conversation with her where she's like, you know, I'm really sorry that you went through that hard period of time, but I'm also really happy because you're such a better person. She's like, you're so much nicer. <laughs> she's like, you've changed completely, you know? And it's that like, those like pivotal moments in your life that like really get to the crux of like, but who am I? And what, what is the personality? Yet, I think you're right. There will probably still be parts of that type three that I'm like, oh yeah, I do identify with that on, in some ways, but it no longer is the brightest star in my path or it no longer like holds the, the strongest trajectory. Yeah, I think that's right. And especially you having taken the test at age 18, you know, I have three children and part of like why children are amazing is and are you know, amazing teachers for us is you can see their range, right? You can see they are both themselves and they are willing to not be themselves, right? Like in a beautiful, beautiful way. And there hasn't been that calcification of the personality coming online. And for some kids, it comes earlier and for some kids, it comes later. But so that's the other sort of caveat I would give, depending on your age, there is just sort of a willingness to shift and be that is really beautiful in children. And that's part of what we lose as we begin to get older is that through socialization and, you know, identification around gender and roles and all of that kind of stuff, that is part of what the Enneagram, when it's used properly, is trying to unlock 
and build more range for us. So in your opinion, then, if someone were to say, okay, I'm going to take a look at the Enneagram, maybe I take a couple online tests just to see what the ballpark is. And then I read the descriptions and I see like, ah, oh, that one really pulls me. And then maybe I talk to a loved one and they're like, oh, you're a, you're a type five, you know, or you're a type one. There's no denying it. You take all of that on board in its highest potential. Where would we hope that we go with that information? How would you guide somebody through taking the information available about the type and applying it in a self-awareness technique? So the, the first thing I would say, it's a great question, is you can think about each one of the nine types as like a set of lenses that you're bringing to the world. Because what happens is something bad happens to us or we face challenge. And for whatever reason, we choose to respond in a certain way, or we make up a story that this is why this happened. And once we begin, once that first action, that first story that we make up, now becomes a lens through which we're seeing reality. And so the next time we face challenge, we're a little less, we've, our lens has already been clouded. And so now we see that challenge through, the lens, through the, the lens of how we responded previously. And so we tend to now see the next challenge the same way. And so then we double down on our strategy, we double down on our story and begin to see reality coming through the strategies we chose so that we now kind of make up the story, this is the only way I could act, or this is the only way that one could see this situation. And we make our own reality, basically, through our choices. And so one of the first really big pieces from my perspective that you can do with the Enneagram is to begin to see what are those habits of how you're moving through the world. Mm. And those habits are habits of acting, habits of feeling, and stories that you're making up about the person or the situation over there. And so getting a really good handle on what are the five to 10 repeating stories in my life that I keep thinking about the person out there, but if I'm really, really honest about it, it's like the same movie every time for me. And to begin to see in a really clear way, those are the five or 10 things. Those are, that's the baggage, that's the lens, the patina that I'm showing up in the world with. And the minute I start really getting facility with seeing those five to 10 stories, I then can begin to catch myself in the act of when one of those stories or when one of those habitual ways of thinking, acting, or feeling comes online. And then I can stop and pause and I can take a deep breath. I can look for, are there any facts actually that I've ignored that maybe would complicate this story? What if I actually chose to do the opposite of what I tend to always do? Could I dare run that experiment in this situation and just see what happens? And taking those little baby steps to complicate the habitual way you show up, because you now have a good handle on what it is, those become the incremental steps of growth 
so that five years from now you look back and you go wow like I do things differently I'm still me like it's not like there's been this dramatic you know saintly transformation that you might read about in a book or something like that but if I traced each little step bit by bit I have changed and that's what that to me would be the you know it doesn't have the like let's make a movie about this kind of ring to it that we might be looking for but it is very real and is how change tends to happen for most people oh it's the most real so i have a background as being a psychic and so there's always this question that i get which is is it free will or is it faded and if it's free will then how can a psychic read to begin with and my answer is always like i think it's free will but i guarantee you you're in an energetic loop of choice, of actions, subconscious, ingrained, so I can read what you're going to do. Like, it's already, it's in a loop. You're, you're not any different from anybody else. You're just an energetic habit, you know? But we have the power to shift it. And I think this answer then gives people an access point to how, where to start. Like, where can you help yourself see the stories? Because I think that's the hardest part is but what, what is the story then? Yeah. Yeah. I like to think of it. It is like, we're all fish swimming in water and we have no idea what water we're swimming in. And the Enneagram is sort of like a very supercharged, fast tracked tool of Mm. figuring out what that water is. Can you perhaps, so that we can really make it tangible, give an example of a story so, so let's just say, because my top two scores recently that I actually quite identified with were type five and type seven. And when I read through them, I was like, I actually think I'm more of a type five, but the seven comes out. So I will have like months of type seven where I'm like, and I'm very happy in that space. But then I think on like the deeper personality level, I actually identify more with it type five, but let's say I'm a type five, like how would I then use the type to look into the story that I might be telling myself, you know, cause I feel like from what I've understood so far, I can look at my life and go, oh, well, I might be telling myself a story here and I might be telling a story there, but how can I use the, the Enneagram in like a very practical way? If I am a type five, how would the Enneagram help me determine the story so so each of the nine types does as i said has a set of stories no story is better than the other they're all true and not they are all limited lenses of reality so that's the first thing i want to say is that i can talk about five and seven but each of them is each of them is beautiful and each of them is dark and so you get to pick the beauty and you get to pick the, like you, you, you get beauty and darkness no matter which, which one you're in. So that's the first thing I want to sort of caution people about. With both five and seven, we would call these head types. And what we mean by that is from the perspective of the Enneagram, and this relates to your concept of intuition and the explorations you've been doing, um, as a human being, we come loaded with different neurological systems. And each one of those neurological systems is sensitive to certain information in the field. 
and we can get kind of neurosciencey about it and talk about where those systems are located in the brain and the body and the connections of the neurons and all of that. Oh, I would love to do that. Just side note, we'll cut, we'll circle back to that. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the shorthand is we call them the body system, the heart system, and the mind system. And what we mean by that is just different information systems within the body and the brain, because they're the same thing, um, that are uh, seeking and paying attention to different kinds of information. There are nine Enneagram types. All of the types have a body system, have a heart system, have a mind system. We use them all the time. But each one of the types has a complicated relationship to which of those systems they prioritize and overemphasize. And so you can think about one story that each of the Enneagram types is telling themselves is overusing one of those systems and ignoring or de-emphasizing the others. Mm. Five, six, and seven are head types. Eight, nine, and one are body types. Two, three, and four are heart types. And it's more complicated than I'm saying right here, but to generalize about it, a head type five and seven and six, are going to enter new situations with their radar turned on in their mind system, as opposed to their heart and their body system. And what that means is mind types are going to be over-focused on information, possibility, um, truth, orientation, looking outwards to try to build a map and are going to use that as their dominant navigation system for how they make their way through the world. And if you talk to a five or a seven about their body system or their heart system, what does the heart know? What does the body know? What's valuable about what your body knows? What's valuable about what your heart knows? Typically type fives and sevens are gonna go, I don't know because that is not, that's not their dominant way of showing up in the world. That's interesting because I feel like in my case, I've always known that my dominant system is the head. So I've put in, put a lot of work into the emotional and the body. So it's just curious to me because, because then do we look at the Enneagram kind of as like, that's the, the, the blueprint, but we can learn the others. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and so the idea there is a lot of the work is, once you know your Enneagram type, beginning to dial up those other systems and explore what they know and what you're missing by overriding or not paying attention to them. And that's a practice that you can begin to develop. And then typically what happens then in moments of stress or moments of reactivity because it's not an automated pattern, we forget and we lose it and we do our dominant thing. But slowly over time, we can expand what feels automated, expand what feels habitual in us to include a full bodied way of being in the world. Mm, I love that. So the five, six, seven are that head type. You're taking in the information. And then you said the eight, nine, one, is that correct? 891 yeah. are their body type. So what does that look like for them then, the body types? Yeah. So the body type is, I mean, we talk about this as gut instinct. We have lots of language um, in our 
kind of pop culture about what this means. But basically what's happening is body types are paying attention to the physiological subconsciously. Like if you asked an eight, nine or one what's going on as you make decisions or you navigate the world, they're not going to talk about it this way. But what's happening is they are registering physiological sensation in the body and they are using that to guide decision making, to get a feeling of safety, to get a sense of can this person be trusted, to get a sense, do I like this? Do I not like that? All of those, it's physiological sensation that is the dominant kind of information that is driving is, is, is coming out the loudest in those types. But I love this because this is just like ping, ping, pinging for me. Because I, when I teach, I go and I tell people like, you know, intuition is not cookie cutter. You're going you're gonna to absorb differently depending on your neurons, depending on your system. And I've always told people, I'm going to put you through a full body yes and a full body no. That's not how it works for me. But it might work for you. And I always tell people, I'm like, that's not how I get my intuition. If I really try, I can pull into that, but that's not my natural type. I know that. And I've always really expressed to people, not one is better than the other. But if you know where your dominant force is, you can really begin to trust it. So the eight, nine ones, you're saying, which I love, because then it's also reflected in human design and all these other kind of, you know, everything kind of all roads lead to Rome. But the eight, nine ones could then really know, I, my gut feelings are valid and I got to pay attention to that. Yeah. And I would sort of argue that everyone's gut feelings are valid, but the eight, nine, and one have an extra sense, a natural built-in sensitivity to it. And the idea is that the gut system is appropriate for certain decisions, certain ways of knowing, certain ways of showing up. The heart system is appropriate. For, so it's it's not that we, and that's kind of the point of the Enneagram is to realize that these systems are designed to scan for different things in the environment. And we want all three of them online so that we can really see truth and really see reality at all levels. But as we make decisions about what moves us, what we want to do next, you know, what we want in life, certain, certain information matters more in each of those domains. And getting a clear sense of that um, is part of what the Enneagram is all about. Oh, I think that's beautiful. Yeah, because, because it really comes back to it. It's like, yeah, I can tune into my body in, in, in the places where I think it's most necessary. But I also know that it isn't always the most accessible for me. And so I think that that's like a really interesting conversation. If someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, I'm trying to be more intuitive. I'm trying to like, but, but I'm a beginner. It makes more sense then for the 891 to start trusting that they have an intuition, it sounds like, through their body first, because it's the strongest one. You know, like I'm a six. If you tell a six to like, typically at the beginning stages, listen to your body, the six goes, what? Like, I don't trust that. Like, my body's all over the place. Like, why would I? Like, no. So you got to kind of like break through that skepticism. With an eight nine one, they have their own. Once you have a system that's oversensitive, part of the issue is that then you you double down on it, and so you you distort it in its overuse. So eight nines ones have their own work to do with their body system because they're overusing it. 
they're over indexing on it. But if you tell an 891, I want you to like pay attention to your body and what it's telling you, they're, they're like, like, yeah, oh, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so true because, you know, I mean, 5'7", whichever one I truly am, I I think some of my biggest body work came about five, six years ago. And I had this therapist who was just brilliant. She'd be like, you're out of your body again. And in the beginning, I wanted to strangle her. I was like, what are you talking about? I am here. <laughs> you know? <laughs> She's like, you went right into your head. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I am... So she really helped me get into that body, but it was work for me. It would not have been my initial place to start. If someone had said your intuition only lives in your body, I would have given up right then. I've been like, well, that's not for me. I can't do it. So I think this is brilliant because it's such a way in. And it's the first time I've had this conversation about the Enneagram. So it makes me very excited. That leaves us with two, three, four. They are the heart, heart types. What is that? So how are they accessing? So what the heart system is registering is that which moves us. And so this can be that which moves us, touches us, emotionally registers for us, both outside ourselves, connections, attunement, empathy, but it can also be that which moves us internally. And so this is what I value, what gives me purpose, what is part of feels like me. Um, that is what the heart system is able to pay attention to and register, which has its, it is obviously part of our energetic system because it's here, but it is defies matter, right? It's it's something that is in the space between. Mm, that's fascinating. Could you, can we kind of come back to the neuro aspect of it? Because I know that we do bring that up on this podcast a lot. I talk about it a lot. I think, I personally believe, and perhaps you would think similarly, that we are neurologically translating information, seen and unseen, and that there is this awareness that I think the nervous system is is very responsible for that we're probably not conscious of. And it sounds like there's a connection here to the Enneagram where you're like the nervous system is taking on board information pointed to a certain direction. Yeah. So this isn't my like, you know, field of expertise, but at the, you know, sort of the basic level, the body system would be kind of the reptilian brain. Right. And it's it's searching for or it's scanning for at the base level, hunger, thirst, all of that kind of very basic sort of instinctual information that's running inside us. But it's also very, very sensitive energetically to what we want, what we don't want, what is good, not good. And so there's a lot of, it's the reptilian brain, but also connected. And there's been a ton of work about this, right? Like all of the stuff that's happening in the gut and bacteria and the biome there, you know, all of that running neurologically up through the brain yep. and a lot of really interesting work on, you know, they run people through these experiments and ask people when they're making decisions, like, you know, send them various kinds of information. And then they ask them to like, when did you decide to do blah, blah, blah. And the tests are really clear that people will, will 
will move towards something way before their brain can articulate, this is what I've decided to do. So that's that automatic gut in, instinctive, very sort of oldest, more fundamental part of our brain. And it drives a lot of our action because the brain is much slower. Actually, the other parts of the brain are slower than that system. And so you get these, and this is where that conversation about free will or habit is, is really interesting because we're doing a lot of stuff without deciding at all. That's just being run on instinct. So that's that system. The heart system is the limbic system of the, of the brain. There's also really interesting studies that there's actually a lot of neurology, even actually in the heart space, cardiologically, that's connected to the is running information up to the brain. To me, it is a mystery, as I think it is to a lot of people, what, what is that system sensing? It's not, it actually is not matter. It is, it is something else. Like how, how is love translated, communicated? How is empathy translated, communicated? Why does this commercial make me cry, but this one doesn't? you know, but that is what's, so I can't tell you what's triggering the response because I don't know, but there is some piece of information that is, that is being communicated that we're registering. Oh, I love that. And so that's the heart. And then the mind. The mind would be, yeah. And the mind would be the prefrontal cortex. uh, So sort of the later order functions that come on. And it also has the possibility or the potential to, which is its own magic, it is seeing things that are not even, it's it's creating, right? It's imagine, it has the potential to imagine mm. and bring into life that which does not yet exist. In some ways, it's picking up what's happening in the environment and making, um, it's making up stories about it, basically. It is the part of our brain that sees pattern and makes predictions based on those patterns. Yeah, I love that. Beautiful. I think the other thing I would say, which is the work too of any type, we always start with the body in the Enneagram because the body is the only system that when we tune into it, it is always here now. Yep. And the potential of the heart system, the potential of the mind is also one of its weaknesses, which is they can both travel all over the place. They can be in the past. They can be in the future. They can think they're in the present, but they're actually in the past. If we really want to use all three systems properly, which is basically to scan for what is happening now and what does that mean for me? in terms of that which moves me, in terms of how I'm going to act, in terms of what I want to do, how I'm making sense of this. We need to dial in all three of the systems into the present moment. And so the most reliable way to do that is actually to begin with physical sensation and to begin with locating the body. And if we maintain that through line, through physical sensation to what is happening right now, typically what we learn and experience in the heart and the mind is different than how we typically think of those two systems running. 
as a mind type, I tend, you know, like I have this predilection or preference for what the mind can do. But part of my own awakening is to realize that what I think is my mind is actually just me in story, is just me in habit, is me in pattern making that's actually not connected to what is happening right now. And I need my body. I need to be aware of my body. I need to be dialed into my body if I actually want my mind to work properly. And also my heart. Ooh, I could not agree more. I have also started to believe that it is fundamentally the base. Nothing can really get clarity without it. And yeah, and it, so I couldn't agree with you more. That I definitely went through my own crisis around that because I was like, oh, not there. That's a, that's a hard access point for me, which I also just want to acknowledge and perhaps for you too, anyone who's listening going, how do I get into my body? I think everyone can. And as you as a head type, I'm sure has have had your own journey to that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of meditation apps out there and I welcome anyone trying any of those. But for me, I really like meditations that put your feet on the ground. Can you feel sensation in your toes? Can you feel sensation in the arch? Can you feel sensation in the heel? Can you slowly build up that physical sensation and begin to track what else is coming online for you? Do you notice shoulder pain? Oh, what's the quality of the shoulder pain? Is it aching? Is it sharp? Is it all over the shoulder? Is it actually in a pinpoint of it? And then that component of the breath, which nearly every meditation practice incorporates in some way. For me, can I dial into what is the experience of breathing? What is the actual physical experience of this breath right now? How big, how slow, how deep, and just even cultivating um, a minute a day of that awareness. It sounds very, very challenging, but it actually has huge potential and huge benefit. And when I do workshops here in Santa Barbara, the first class is always anytime you're stressed, anytime you find yourself being overwhelmed, anytime you find yourself in reactivity, my number one tool that I can teach you is can you find your feet on the floor? Can you spend five seconds feeling mm. breath in your body? Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. This gives me such a new lens of the Enneagram that I'm so excited about. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Don't forget, subscribe. If you are one of the people that listen to our podcast and we actually got stats back, like 70% of you listen and you're not subscribed and it would just be the best gift to subscribe. So click that little button so that you can be a subscriber. You can be an innie at the Intercall Podcast versus an Audi. Come be an innie at the Intercall Podcast. So subscribe. We would really appreciate it so that we can bring more guests, bigger guests, Guess you love. Thanks for being here.
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.